Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cracking Knights show, the only show on the planet which covers the two youngest teams in the NHL. That, of course, is the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, hosted, as always, by myself, Ian, and my co-host, JP, both of us who have enjoyed hockey this week. So, JP, how's it going? Good, Ian. Lots to talk about this week. It is, uh, there is. Uh, an there inter- is. exciting week, an interesting week, like definitely a lot of things going on. So, Well, there exactly. There was a lot for us to get through, but there's something that I have to play first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there it is. Nice. I was hoping I'd get to play it last time around, but I couldn't. Had it queued up we didn't and couldn't win. use it. So I had it, yeah. Yeah, I had it ready to go. Uh, it was loaded into the media board, uh, but the Kraken didn't deliver. But they, they did deliver this week. Yeah. Um, some good stuff. Yeah, some good stuff. Some good stuff. So this is this feels for me a far more positive episode than, than maybe ones mm. that we've done mm. in the past. I Absolutely. don't know if that's how it feels from a, from a Vegas perspective or if it feels a little bit of a... A mixed bag. Yeah, somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle with the Knights for sure. It's definitely been a strange, strange couple of weeks, but um, but not all bad, you know. Not uh, there's some reasons for that, and we can cover that, you know, when we get there. But uh, yeah, kind <laughs> yeah, of a mixed yeah, yeah. week for the Knights. Yeah, I mean, it was it just it, it, a bit like it was the week before. I still feel like I'm trying to after having so much of a break when we had the COVID break, it still feels weird having so many games. And then we had a back-to-back this week as well, which was, uh, which was interesting, but yeah, it reminds you how busy these, these seasons are, right? These game schedules mm. when, when they're, when they're, when all games are played, it's, it's a lot of hockey, which is good when you have a tough loss. Cause you just, you know, you wait a day and get to try it all <laughs> over again, you know? Yeah. Well, the, uh, the Kraken have got Florida tonight. Um, so we're hoping to soften them up for you guys yeah. as you guys have got them next week. Thank, thank you for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I know we're going to do the game reviews and stuff, but like looking ahead and then we'll look backwards. The Vegas Golden Knights have got an absolute horrific week coming oh, up. Yeah. Like, I'm really this is curious. A week from hell, right? Really curious what we're going to be saying on next week's episode. <laughs> it's... um. <laughs> Yeah, four of the best teams in the league, and no, no doubt four of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, all within, you know, like a six-day stretch. So, mm-hmm. and honestly, you know, we'll get into this in a minute, but the right now the Knights are not playing well enough, in my opinion, to go in and really take it to these teams on this road trip. So they're going to have to find their game or yep. it's going to be a, a miserable trip they're just not quite clicking on all cylinders right now so and there's some reasons for that i think but um yeah it's going to be the the road trip from hell for lack of a better way to put it if i'm quoting you i think you might have said that <laughs> I a did, couple of I episodes did. ago okay. i'll take the uh, take the credit for that and it, <laughs> hopefully i mean we, we said before i think if you come back from that road trip at 500 for the week i think you've done pretty well because it's not you know there's some good teams in there and like you said, <clears throat> I mean, we'll go into it in more detail when we when we cover the Vegas Golden Knights game reviews. But it's not somewhere you want to go into playing below average because you know teams like Carolina, like they will put seven past you. You know they they've oh, done yeah. it absolutely. Like they were, and Tampa Bay, like when they're on it, I know they lost the other night, but um, which surprised me. But they you know they they can tear you apart if you're not on your game so yeah i would be happy with a 500 road trip i think that would be 
under the circumstances, the team not quite firing on all cylinders and against this opposition, 500 would be just fine. And it would be enough to keep the Knights, you know, kind of right there. Like, depending on how the Ducks and Kings do, they, they could creep up on them, right? Maybe take first back, but I don't. If they stay at 500, it'll be enough that, because apparently, I know we keep saying we'll talk about when we get there, but after that, <laughs> yeah. they have one of the easiest schedules in the NHL, supposedly. I heard that from Gary Lawless, who's one of our local correspondents for the Knights here. Uh, so after that, I don't I think they'll I think they'll be okay, but it would be it would be important for them to at least take two of these games, I think, and and they'll be all right. I think if they lost all four, they'd be in mm-hmm. a little bit of a hole. They'd have some, you know, some chasing to do. But uh anyway. Well, there's two things that Gary's doing there. Um, obviously his job as well as the two things I'm going to mention, but firstly, he's, uh, he's tempting fate, which is a horrific thing to do. <laughs> exactly. Don't curse times, it. Right? <laughs> and I know that people listening are saying there's two guys on a podcast and you're complaining about people tempting fate. I, I, I get it, but, um, <laughs> we're normally talking retrospectively rather than, uh, rather than, you know, right. forward and predicting, but yeah. The other thing is we have a we have a phrase, and I don't know if it's the same in the US, where you call these sorts of games banana skin games, right? Because they're the sort of games where you should win, you probably will win, but there's a small chance that you won't. Mm. And those will be the banana skins that you'll slip on. Right. So uh, I, I I yeah, it always worries me when someone says, Oh, we've got an easy couple of games coming up. I'm always out of thinking, mm, mm, famous say last that words. After we win. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, well, and but, it's uh, just yeah. right. Even the the worst team in the league can beat the best team in the league anytime. That's mm-hmm. just how close the competition is. So in the NHL, there's really no such thing as an as an easy game. But um mm. But I suppose, yeah, I suppose if you're just looking statistically and, and in terms of the opposition and where and they you rank, win. but, yeah, yeah. but like you said, that doesn't, gosh, in the NHL, anybody can beat anybody. So, well, I mean, not be funny, but the Kraken did that this week. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, if we, if we hop into the game reviews, starting mm. with, uh, the Kraken, of course, and our first game, which was against Chicago, uh, a team that by the way, came into the Climate Pledge Arena on a four-game win streak with Marc-Andre Fleury had a save percentage and those four games of 9.77 or close as. Uh, and apparently his goals against average was below two across those four. I think it was 1.2 or something mm-hmm. for those four games. And that's mm-hmm. obviously only in those four games, but it just showed you the kind of form that he came in on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up going to a shootout and I have to say, somebody watching, I was very animated while watching this game. I just felt like we needed to win. We needed to break the skid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I in, in all in all, I felt the team played really well in the game. Anyway, I felt there was a lot of heart that the, the Seattle team played with, which is always great to see. Because I don't think like we have the quality. And I know we talked about it on previous podcasts, but we don't have that. We haven't got somebody in that team that's going to just drag us along like Conor McDavid. Um, but we had a lot of heart and they played really well. Um, and in the first period, I thought we completely outplayed Chicago, completely outplayed them. Uh, they came into it a bit in the second and we gave away some stupid penalties, which allowed things to, to kind of switch up and it ended up going to a shootout. Uh, and then, so the shootout is level at this point and up steps Jonas Donskoy. And that's where uh, I'm going to play it again. I have to. So Jonas Donskoy walks in. It's him 
It's him versus Marc-Andre Fleury. And this is Marc-Andre Fleury, who is on stunning form, who has already pulled off some outrageous saves in the game. Uh, the only Marc-Andre can do, you know, the kind of ones you saw it plenty of times when he was at Vegas. Absolutely. The sort of ones where you like, where, like it's like he's got three legs and it's just a, <laughs> like another leg appears and bang, the, the puck's going, going out, right? And he's like, how Three pad stack. Three, exactly, yeah. So, and you just think it would be, it's just, it's never going to go in, right? Yeah. And, and Donskoy hasn't scored a goal all season. And he still hasn't, by the way, in regular season. But he scored when it mattered, and he scored the game-winning goal in in a shootout. And and I think it was Gordon who posted a tweet which said uh, he he put something on the lines of that Chicago got Don scored, uh, which I which I thought was I quite, saw that yeah quite funny. But um, <laughs> it was it was a good, it was a great win, and I was I was sat very early in the morning punching the air trying not to make any noise um otherwise i'd wake the wife and uh, she wouldn't be very happy uh, on two fronts because it was chicago anyway so she wasn't very happy when i told her what the score was but obviously i watched it very early in the morning yeah yeah you got the bragging rights this time i did i did yeah it's been what a, a thriller week. that that it game was, was a what a thriller just fun like just a fun game for the fans for the mm-hmm. uh, for the tv audience like you could feel it um just and, and and not just the shootout, there were a lot of really close chances throughout the game, like where the crowd's <laughs> going nuts, and it's just a lot of that kind of back and forth. I love um, it. it was just a, overall just a fun game, and and yeah, w- um, sorely needed for yes. the Kraken just to get a win like 100%. that, where they worked hard and close game, and they and they you know they were able to grind out the win it's nice to see right it's nice to see okay this team is capable of this it, these are the kind of wins that you build on you know well yeah exactly and and the kraken played really really well and they could have won the game by more i mean mm-hmm. flower you know against other goalies i think the score would have ended up being oh yeah kind of five six three rather than three three going Fl- into flurry's red hot right now yeah 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 he played really really well uh two of the little notes i want to throw up so one is uh yarn croak who I thought had a particularly good game. And he is, he's kind of playing better than I expected. And maybe that's because I had low expectations and I'd be interested to know what the rest of the fan base thinks um, about uh, Kelly Yarncroke. But he is, he surprised me as being quite a solid producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's scoring more goals than I thought he would. Now, originally, I, I, I would have had him on my list of players to trade. Um, he's, he's in the last year of his deal. So he wouldn't be someone that I'd be looking to kind of re-up and, and bring back. I'd be looking to trade him at the deadline. And I just kind of sat there thinking, the better he plays, you know, great, because his value goes up. I still think you trade him, but his value will be worth more. But he is, um, yeah, he's looking good, which is nice to see. That's one of the cool things about teams like this, about expansion teams or teams where, you know, now obviously the expectations have been tempered a little bit. I do think those environments <laughs> kind of create, yeah. they create a place where players can kind of, kind of excel a place where players who, who might not have a chance to excel or who may not have been in an environment where they can do. Right. And it's, I feel like those are, that's always fun to see those kind of store, like, right. I'm com- coming from the perspective of golden Knights fan. Mm-hmm. That was year one. <laughs> with a whole team of guys doing that, right? Kind of exceeding expectations. So it's, exactly. it's a, those are always fun stories to watch, right? And yeah, like you said, even if they trade him, uh, it's still cool to watch a guy uh, kind of have 
have a good run and yeah outperform where i thought he was going to be um another guy is uh donato as well like you, you're right in terms of players that have been given a bigger role like he like you know he's bounced around teams as well so he's you know he's he's played on a few teams before ending up at, at seattle and he's got top six six potential that's hard to say um so it's, it's, the dentures have fallen out five minutes into yeah. the podcast this isn't a good start is yeah, it man so, you need some uh what um, is it uh pepsodent no what's the stuff yeah. they use to stick the dentures on you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah well, i yeah no i know i know what it is the uh i want to say it's it's like <laughs> no i Den- can't the uh there's there's you know the the no more nails kind yeah. of glue that you use <laughs> obviously need that um but the like he he is top six potential uh but and and when the boston drafted him and i'm pretty certain boston drafted him um and i just to correct myself on a previous podcast by the way i said that jeremy lozon was the first round pick for boston uh that's not correct he was not a first round pick for boston um but it still stands that all three of those first round picks that boston had in a row were all complete crap but it but one of them wasn't lozon um but Donato is, is he's now starting to look like that player and he's I'm excited to see what he can he can be like you know and this is why I, I keep saying that there's a lot for the Seattle Kraken fan base to be positive about because even if we are crap for the rest of this season if a few young players show that they can become superstars or at least stars NHL stars then you know great that's that's what it's all about you know so um but there you go big third period from the team because they looked like they were going to lose it. And if I'm being honest, I kind of felt they might. And then they didn't, which was fantastic. So a great win, which we then carried into game number two, uh, which was against the San Jose Sharks. And a nice little rivalry that's building up. And a quick segue, two little things I wanted to bring up. And and those that listen to this podcast who are avid uh, goers to the Climate Pledge Arena, you guys might have already noticed this, but I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't. <laughs> so when the Kraken are on the penalty kill and they and it goes back to full strength, they play the Popeye tune, which I did not realize. You know, the... And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And maybe it's because they've just not killed enough penalties while I've been watching it. But yeah, it was quite cool. That's pretty fun, right? Yeah, I thought that's quite nice. And... I, I, okay, I'm not quite sure Popeye and where Seattle Kraken and all that goes in, but you know, if we're going to use something, it makes it. I've seen other teams use things like, you know, the Mario kind of him getting a mushroom kind the of power stuff. Up. Seen, yeah, yeah, I think the, the, power I think the abs yeah. use that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool. And then, so we, we're playing the, the San Jose Sharks, and I, it's starting to feel like it's a bit of a rivalry building between the teams, which is great because that's what you want. You know, you want these games when they're divisional rivals, you want them to be heated, you want them mm-hmm. to be aggressive, and you want it to mean something for the players. So when San Jose took a penalty, they started playing the, the you know, the baby shark song. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was hilarious. hilarious. I'm not going to sing it, because otherwise everybody on this podcast who's listening right now is already humming it now in their head, because it's yeah. the most infuriating song in the world. Isn't it? Um, but it was very apt to be played against the sharks the the golden knights during playoffs 
the um, in arena team has used baby shark specifically to taunt Evander Kane. So there have been several times where Kane got sent to the box <laughs> or when yeah. Kane and Reeves finally fought, which everybody was waiting for that uh, a year mm-hmm. or two ago. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they finally threw down and, uh, yeah, that, that's been used several times, um, particularly for Evander Kane <laughs> when he was on the sharks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's a fun one, but I'm, I'm with you annoying little melody. And once it's in your head, it's stuck. It does. So I'm going to sing, um, uh, an excerpt from it's a small world or something to get us onto that tune, which is <laughs> almost as bad, but, uh, yeah, that's was... funny. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. Mm. Um, but it was a good, it was a second game it was another good performance i thought from the team very weird game the first period i mean it's it's tough watching games at four o'clock in the morning anyway i'll be honest mm-hmm. um, but it's really tough watching games at four o'clock in the morning when they are utter like a complete dull fest for the first 20 minutes which it was it was it was dire both teams kind of locked down the neutral zone yeah. which meant there was very little sh- like shots on goal very not a lot of chances room. yeah not a lot of room and it just, yeah, it was just a bit, it was a bit crap. Let's be honest. It was a bit crap. And then two goals from a guy who I have been very critical about in this podcast. Um, it's not quite to the point where I need to eat some humble pie because I would reiterate it's one game, but it was, it was gladly received. So Carson Susie scores one goal and then scores another goal. And it's his first ever multi-goal game in his career, mm. which is not a surprise given yeah that I've, I have watched him for the other kind of 30-odd games where he hasn't looked like he's going to score twice. Um, but he did, which was fantastic. Uh, and we went on to win. And it's in kind of polar opposites to the Chicago game, I felt that the 3-2 scoreline probably did San Jose a bit more justice than they deserved because we really did outplay them. Yeah. Low scoring, and I think they still outshot us, but it was a, another good win. Yeah, definitely solid, and um, there's some wacky stuff in that game too. Some posts. I think both teams hit the post a time or two, and a goal called mm. back. And there was definitely more drama <laughs> as the game unfolded. It but, was. Uh, but yeah, I feel it you. Was. It's the score doesn't always reflect. The teams don't always get what they deserve, and then sometimes they do get the, what they deserve, but the the score line suggests exactly that the opponent played better than they did, and. Yeah, and the goal called back was uh, Ryan Donato's goal, uh, mm-hmm. which was scratched off for being offside, and it was offside. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. There was, was the right thing to do. It was a bit disappointing, but you know, to be fair to the team, they then carried that on, and and when they got their third goal anyway, they they kind of didn't let momentum get affected by that. Yeah. Uh, and then a, another shout out, and the last shout out for me of these of these two games is for for Grubauer because again, another guy that I've been very critical on on this podcast because he's been crap this season which he has um but actually the last two games he's played really really well and played really well against chicago um and he played really well against the sharks and he's made some really important saves and he's done the the basics well you know which is important for a goalie and two games he's had a fair amount of shots in both of them he's finished both games with a safe percentage above uh, 920 i believe both of them so hopefully um, I'm going to touch wood here, uh, and I, I, yeah, I was, 
<laughs> We're not that sort of podcast. I was going to say I'm in the table, but you know what I mean. So, <laughs> hey, what I mean, whatever works for you, whatever yeah. gets it going for you, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you can take, you can take the, me off a game now, but it's, the, it's an audio <laughs> podcast, so nobody can yeah. see what you're doing. It's all good. No, no, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but it's. <laughs> what was I saying now? But group I was was good is what I was saying and and along may him continue to be like I don't expect him to be like that every night by the way so if he has if he has a blowout you know next week I'm not going to completely lose faith that he's going to get there but it just shows that he's like he, there is a good goalie in there he's just got to work out that consistency that's all yeah on the on the last episode you and I were talking about clutch moments and how that seems to be what Seattle is missing and sometimes mm. the clutch moments as we said can be somebody who can score at the right time or, or a goalie who can make a save that he shouldn't have. And I saw a couple yeah. of those. Grubauer made, in each game, he made one or two saves that that he probably shouldn't have made and that um, another goalie might not have made. And those were kind of difference makers in those games. So that's, what, that's exactly yeah. what we were talking about. If you can get one or two of those clutch moments, that can be enough to win. And that's what I saw. I, Grubauer definitely, there were definitely a couple of hardcore highlight reel saves in there where you're just like, what? How did he keep that out? And and so, yes, it's a good thing. He's clearly capable of that kind Doing of play. It. Yes. Yeah. Right? He's done that a lot in his career. So it's a good thing. Maybe he's finding that a little bit. And hey, if it took him still, it's been it's been a lot of hockey, right? But if you look at it, it's like, oh, well, okay, the season only started in October. So it's been a lot of hockey, but it's only been a few months. So, you know, if it took him a few months to settle in, like, okay, great. It, it, I mean, you know, the, these guys are pro hockey players. You hope that they find their groove sooner than that, but everybody's different. And if he's settling in now, like, yeah, like you said, hopefully this is a think great, yeah. A sign of things to come from him because if he keeps doing that, the Kraken will, by default, will start winning more games because hundred percent. Yeah, those were hundred percent. Both one goal games, right? They were, yeah. And, yeah. and that's uh, you know, well, okay. I think um, the San Jose one goal game was maybe a little bit. Mm, it's deceptive, deceiving. But uh, you know, those are the games that we've been losing all year. Those are the games that we haven't been able to close out, and, and we did. So I, I said it was, a, it was a lot to like. Definitely. We also saw the uh, introduction of a guy that we picked up off waivers, whose name is Carson Coleman. Um, and I have to say, um, I'm going to be honest. When I saw it come up on uh, my Twitter feed that we'd claimed him off waivers i did kind of have to go who the hell's that guy um but then you know i watched him in the first game and there's a lot to like about that kid i mean he's he's not gonna be he's a bottom six guy let's be frank but he's a he's got a little bit of of tanniv in him you know he he's 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 very aggressive on the puck he skates hard he looks like he's playing like he wants to be there you know i think like some players that have gone to seattle they see it as their chance, a bit like you were saying earlier, JP, to maybe be more than they could be in Boston, which is where he was before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are becoming like Boston's cast-off team. Very <laughs> We've got a few Boston players now, which is quite funny. But I'm just waiting for uh, us to be able to pick up Brad Marchand on waivers, and then then we'll be we'll be fine. Um, but it's you know it's there was a lot to like about him, and I thought he's he's a good he's a good 
piece to have. Somebody who's a hard four-checker. You know, Haskell seems to like to play a really high line as much as I don't particularly agree with it. Um, and he's the sort of player that will fit that. So it was nice to see. Uh, we then got to the last game of the week, which was a really bad way to finish the week. But I, I And the reason why I, I don't want to dwell on it too much is because I don't want the fan base to dwell on it too much either because it'd be very easy after going through what the fan base has been dragged through the last couple of weeks where it's a tough losing streak. They got to nine, you know, contrary to what NHL.com might think. It was nine and it felt like it. Whereas you know, this week, we won two or three, and that's the way it sh- that's the way that the fan base should view it. But it was it was a bad game. Again, the five nil probably feels worse and looks worse than it was. I felt for to two periods we weren't massively in the game, but we weren't getting blown out either. And then the third period it all just kind of fell apart, and quickly two became three, became four, became five, and then you kind of sat there thinking, "Oh God, this is a bit horrific." But it, it wasn't as bad as the blowout would suggest. Um, but there was a few notes that I've made here around things that it was a, a little bit of old cracking in there, which is disappointing. First mm-hmm. of all, it's the offensive turnovers. Ironically, defensive turnovers, we give up one of the, the, the league's least. But offensive turnovers, man, too many times I've seen us, the D pushes really high, we'll end up losing the puck, and then before you know it, it's a breakaway on the other the other way around. And it's just putting a lot of pressure on the goalies when you start doing stuff like that. And I saw it happen a few times. Obviously, Brandon Saad, um, it was the guy who got the breakaway for the first goal, I think it was. And then he, I don't, he didn't score it because he, he squared it across to somebody else. Who, you know, I mean, like when you do that cross crease pass and it's two on one with a goalie, he's got no chance. If, as long as you, you hit your target and you get it to that player, he's got to tap in. You know, yeah. basically an empty net. Just so, wide open net. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Blues look dangerous, as we knew. You know, we talked about in previous podcasts. We've said that Vegas, no doubt, do not want to meet them in the first round. They are an offensive juggernaut as a team. And and they showed it, you know. We, we weren't on our on our game, and arguably it was a back-to-back. So, you can again, you could say, were the players tired? You know, we had Joey Decord in goal. You know, who's obviously not an NHL goalie yet. I think he'll get there, but he's he's still quite young. He pulled up some great saves, um, but a bit of a bad way to end the week. But I, as I said, I don't want to dwell on it because for me, I, I felt it was a good week. Kraken break the skid. Um, you know, I get to use the Hallelujah tune twice, which is always <laughs> nice. Uh, and yeah, so I'm pretty chuffed to be honest. Yeah, that's one of those losses. You just put it behind you. It's just um, oh yeah. When, yeah. when you get kind of whooped like that, and like you said, the score, the final score, doesn't necessarily completely reflect how the game went. There's, you know, there's, um, I think that applies here, and that it's in some ways it's easier to take a game like that and just chalk it up to just say, hey, not a not a good night, and and we move on. It's it's the constantly losing by a close margin that's that stings. Those games sting because you're like, oh, we had it. It was right there. So yeah. so it's good. Seattle has, you know, this week definitely turned around that narrative a bit. And in, in, yeah. you know, they were able to grab those games uh, and actually turn those into victories. And um, but yeah, a five zero to St. Louis, like back to back. That's not if you're gonna feel bad about losses this season, that's not one of them that you should spend <laughs> a lot of time. I know. Feeling bad exactly about it. St. Louis is great. It was a back-to-back and a slightly off night, and and that's what you'll get against a team like that. But yeah, in some ways, I'd rather see 
a team might like, for instance, my team, I'd rather see the Knights get spanked by a wide margin than to constantly lose one goal games, which is what they've been doing a lot of lately. So, <laughs> mm. and, um, and we, we're obviously going to cover the Knights. Uh, one last, I've got one question actually, um, because I don't, I don't watch, I haven't watched the Knights long enough to know whether this is something that you've seen your side as well, but Haskell, uh, obviously the Seattle Kraken's head coach has a really annoying habit of messing around with the lines. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we've won two games, uh, you know, on a back-to-back games as in we, we beat Chicago and we, we beat San Jose and, but for the San Jose game, like either he's still messing around with the lines and now, okay, yes, we did end up winning that game, but I just kind of feel like you've got a young team as in, the team age, not as in the average age of the players within the team, but you know, you've just gone on a nine game losing streak. You win a game and then you change the lines. Now, I guess, you know, if you want to play devil's advocate, you could sit here and say, well, they won the game. So who cares? But I just, I've seen Haskell doing that a lot, especially with the defense, the offensive lines tend to not be changed that often, but defensively he messes around with those pairings. Yeah. An awful lot. I just feel like, I feel like it's too much. Yeah. I just wonder whether or not you see DeBoer, does he do that? Is this just, am I just, you know, do I just not see the fact that all the NHL coaches do it and it's not just Haskell or is this, is Haskell just trying to kind of keep everybody happy by playing everybody and yeah. that's why he's having to play kind of musical chairs? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, I think the lines have changed a lot oh, for mm-hmm. the Golden Knights. I think maybe for different reasons though. Usually it's almost always, dictated by injury or COVID protocol. Like uh, the, 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 it's been a revolving door of injuries and that has continued by the way, for a while we thought we were getting out of that. Not so much. Like it's been, it's been kind of bad again lately with players in and out of the lineup. And so a lot of the tinkering for DeBoer, I think comes down to, um, yeah, just availability. Cause guaranteed if there weren't injuries all season, the top two lines wouldn't be changing at all. Um, it would, it would be, it would have been Pacioretty, Stone Stevenson, Carlson, Marcia Smith. And he, knowing DeBoer, he yep. would have preferred to settle into a consistent third line as well. Um, I have seen DeBoer shake up the lines when things aren't going well, but I think a lot of coaches will do that. You have two or three rough games. Sometimes oh, they'll yeah. and tinker with the it. lines just to shake things up. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. in DeBoer's case, um, this season, it's mostly just been because you know a lot of the time the the team a lot of the teams just not available, and mm. we're right back into this again. It seems with Kraken, there's some different motivations there. Obviously, you know, probably trying to search for something that, especially after that sort of nine game losing streak, I'm sure he's trying to juggle things and see if he can find up with something, you know, find something that's going to work. But yeah, after two wins, you'd think he would just keep it the same. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and that's why. I was just a bit surprised to see him. Were there any injuries that would have forced that? Those not that changes? I'm aware of. No. Yeah. So I, I, I think it was interesting. You know, it was the same because yeah. it was pretty much the same guys. I don't think he changed the actual starters. He but just he, moved them around. Well, actually, having said that, he, I think he did. But yeah. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I just remember sat there thinking, just you know, for me, your nine game losing streak and you win a game whatever you did just do stick it with again it. yeah if it's working yeah it. exactly. exactly that seems logical doesn't it now 
Let's let's segue across. Um, I've tried to think of my my geography now, where Vegas is in relation to Seattle. Uh, I think it's south, yeah, it's slightly south, direct, yeah. directly south, kind of um, slightly closer to the equator. Hence yeah, the, yeah, we're hence sort of desert. southwest part of the country, <laughs> and and Seattle's yeah. the northwest. So, so the, the geography lesson for the Brit. <laughs> let's, the so let's head well. south, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yes, yeah. so let's head southwest uh, and, um, and and go across to to the fortress in Vegas. Um, I know not a lot of hockey to talk about last week. And the hockey you did have wasn't particularly enjoyable, but this week, you know, and I'll obviously pass it over to you to to go into more detail. But it kind of felt like a bit of a mixed bag for the nights. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's been a really weird two or three weeks now for the team. They're going through some sort of little funk for sure. I think I've said this before. I think the because of the adversity they encountered early in the season i think they really had to dig deep and be up for every game to sort of storm back and take yep. first yep. interestingly some of the the really informed and sort of the, the most sort of intelligent analysts in the league were calling that anyway back at the beginning of the season when they were all banged up and they had kind of a rough start a lot of analysts were saying, look, by mid-season, you know, the Knights will be will very likely be on top. Like a lot of analysts weren't concerned, but it does not change the fact that to win all those games, you, you just have to you have to dig really deep, and that's organization-wide. And, you know, it's that's very draining. It's emotionally and physically draining to be up like that. And they won a lot of hockey. So I do think that's part of what's going on. I think there's a little bit of a emotional lull. Their home record this year has been terrible, which is really contrary to what the Knights are known for. And so they've just come off a very long homestand. And then with cancellations, because of the postponements, it was even longer. So they've mm. played something like eight or nine games at home now. It's too long. That's another thing mm. I'm hearing a lot, which makes total sense. They've been at home way too long. They really need to go on the road is what they need to do. And um, it's unfortunate that it's the road trip from hell, but you know they, they need to get away <laughs> yeah, from the yeah. fortress. Here's another thing that goes on. And look, it is what it is. It's not really an excuse, but every team comes into the fortress ready to play their best game of the season. Every team in the NHL does this, and it's because it was so hard to win there for so long. Um, teams come in ready. And so... Unfortunately for the Knights, they're not going to, they're just not going to get an off night. People come, every team has been burned at the fortress. Every team has come to the fortress and, and gotten spanked when the Knights, you know, it's generally historically, if the Knights can get up by a goal or two, um, the crowd takes over and you're in trouble, right? Psychologically, you're in trouble. That's how it used to be. Um, but I think teams come in and they're especially amped to take the game and that, and, um, and look at what happened with the Pittsburgh game. I mean, and I got to say, I'm usually Mr. Positive. I'm usually the guy that's, <laughs> you weren't that day, mate. I, I was not tell. positive that day. And, no. and that was a really, for, for anybody who didn't see the game, the, the Knights choked and gave up a three goal lead and lost the game. Uh, you know, had an amazing first period, went into first intermission up three, nothing. Mm -hmm. And Pittsburgh spent the rest of the game storming back and won the game in regulation. Um, now, Pittsburgh's a very good hockey team, so credit to them. 
for for playing an incredible road game. However, the Knights didn't didn't exactly make it hard on them. And after such a strange two or three weeks, that was kind of the icing on the cake for me. It was hard for me to sort of be like, oh, hey, guys. like I'm always the one that's like, hey, guys, it's going to be fun. These things happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that night, I was like, look, what can I say? That was one of the worst chokes in team history. Probably the only one that's worse in my book is the infamous game seven against San Jose and bad referee call or not the Knights still choked. Right. And, and you know, even if uh, now given that the call wasn't fair, it wasn't a five minute major, you know, we're talking about that playoff game where they exited, oh, I I'll remember, yeah, yeah. you know, the one, um, mm-hmm. but the Knights still choked in a serious kind of way. They, they gave into the pressure and, you know, gave up four Lost the heads. And, yeah, exactly. You know, they, they panicked. Mm-hmm. So, um, to me the the game against Pittsburgh that was one of the worst one of the worst chokes I've seen the team do in 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 team history to to give up a three goal lead and then lose the game you know it's going to happen to every team at some point most seasons you know every team at least has one game where they gave up a huge lead it happens but if the knights were in uh, top form it probably wouldn't have happened and they're they're just not in top form right now so it's a uh, I can be patient with it. Look, they're still in first somehow. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And, and they still came out at, if, if you're going to look at this extended homestand, you know, including the postponements of the road games, which extended their homestand, they're still right at 500 on the homestand. So mm. it's fine, you know, um, but yeah, they're just, they're not at their best right now. Now, given this, some injuries, some COVID, like uh, f- for one of those games, I think they had seven or eight starters missing. Um, so I'm sympathetic to that, but something's not quite clicking. And I do think going back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. a lot of it is just changing lines constantly. The lineup is never the same two games in a row, never. And I'm talking defense or offense. So really it's remarkable that they're able to win as much as they are because every night it's different. You know, um, last game against Montreal, you know, stone and Pacioretty were out. So the first line was, I think yes. Stevenson Dodonoff, and Carrier, I think who's normally a fourth Jesus. line grinder, right? Like he's, he's got some speed and everything, but yeah, like you said though, he's, and will Carrier's known to be somebody who's good at hitting bodies he's he's an energy line guy yeah Yeah. so and i know what the thinking was there like he's fast and so that he didn't want to juggle he wanted to keep marshall so carlson smith intact probably didn't want to juggle too much which makes sense um so you know it's uh, in their defense they're, they're continuing to have a rough go of it in terms of personnel but um yeah, Pittsburgh, that was probably for me for the season one of the low points. That that game was very frustrating to watch. Yeah, and like you said, yeah, I I know from seeing the tweets that you put out, um you are you are tend to be Mr. Philosophical. Absolutely. And Mr. Positive, <laughs> which is good, which is good. We need we need the yin and the yang on the podcast, otherwise right. it'd be uh, people would be, you know, reaching for their toasters while they're sat in the bath. But it's but you know, you could see the frustration in yourself and the rest of the fan base as well. And I know that sometimes that rightly or wrongly, and Seattle is no different, by the way, that uh, the Vegas fan base can be quite vocal anyway when they're losing. But I, mm-hmm. I felt especially, you could just see it was frustration rather than 
annoyance at the loss. It was frustration the way in which they lost. The way they lost, um, yeah. Yeah, which is tough. I think interestingly, I was just looking at standings then while you were going through. Obviously, you're top of the division. Um, and look, you could argue that's all that matters in 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 real money. It probably is, let's be honest, as long as They're you get a playoff spot. It yeah. doesn't matter, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody's looking at the Western Conference as a whole unless you're a wildcard team. Um, but the three to divisional leading teams in the metro uh, metro in the central division all have a better point percentage than vegas so that's yeah. nashville st louis right and colorado who are actually mm-hmm. tearing it right now so mm-hmm. so they'd be they'd be sitting on the fringes if they were in the central yeah they would and that's and that's mm-hmm. an interesting way to look at things it doesn't matter as i said in, in the grand scheme of things it doesn't really matter because vegas are top and as I've said on previous podcasts, and, and I'm not tempting fate here, Vegas are making the playoffs. We know that, right? They're going to get in. There's no mm-hmm. way you're not getting in. Okay, I got, you know, that's not a hot take. That's just the reality of it. You know, right. you're getting in. But the form you take into the playoffs matters. We, Tampa Bay know that better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay are the same great team they are now three years ago when they choked against Columbus in the first round. So it's, for me... I think you're right what you said about Vegas. Once they get everybody back healthy, they just need the second half of the season. We are at the halfway point now, give or take a few games. Vegas just need to carry a good form for the rest of this season and into the playoffs because otherwise, you know, things like the Pittsburgh game, you, you don't want that happening when it matters, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, something like that happens in the playoffs and then that's a that's now part of your legacy. That's kind of, especially if you get eliminated that's that's part of the legacy the history of the team and those are the kind of losses that you you dread i think that's part of what was frustrating for me about that one is is yeah is you just picture like oh god can you imagine that going on during a playoff series <laughs> the, the, you know get, yeah. they're not known for choking like that that the the i would say that the fan base tends to talk like they are but <laughs> I think that's just because every time it happens, it sticks in your memory. And so you remember the last time it happened, but, um, yeah. And, and look, as, as sports fans, you know, we all tend to be emotionally driven and therefore, yeah. you know, you lose one game and you can see people tweeting out, you know, <laughs> they trade the whole team to get rid of them all. <laughs> right. And you know, then like, you know, you'll win the next game and then they're saying, man, I'd love these guys to raise my kids. So it's just, <laughs> exactly. it's just, you know, it's, it's polar opposites, isn't it? Right. Right. And, and it's, um, yeah, I could certainly relate to that. Like I said, I'm usually a little mm. pretty level-headed. That <laughs> one was hard for me. Like I just I just was like, you've got, I'm sitting in my living room just saying, you have got to be kidding me. Uh, you know, oh my, every time Pitt scored, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, and each time they scored, it's it just gets worse and worse. And then I just had that, that feeling of dread once they tied it up. I was just like, they're yeah. going to, oh, I can just tell like, probably going to score again like that's it just seems like they've got the momentum and it's headed that way but it wouldn't be a big deal either if the knights hadn't already been weird for a couple of weeks yes they've just yeah, been yeah, weird yeah. it's just yeah. not click not them it's not and it's not knights either knights Mm-mm. you know you guys have been consistent yeah and you've been consistent for big part, parts of this year mm-hmm. just not recently and and if we're going to segue, you know, transitioning into the Montreal game, that weirdness continues. It, mm. Now, you could argue, so you know, every every team kind of has a couple, maybe a couple teams in the league that are just not a good matchup for them. 
even really good teams that there'll be, there'll be a couple teams out there that are kind of their Achilles heel in terms of just the way the matchup works. And for, for the Knights, yep. you could argue like the Minnesota wild. I ran a, um, I ran a poll yesterday. It's actually still going on my, on my Twitter feed about like who kind of of the four teams that are in the playoff mix right now for the Pacific, including the wild card spots, which team would you prefer the Knights face if the playoffs were to start today? And, most Knights fans said anybody but the Wild. And and it's just historically been a bad matchup for the Knights. They just have yeah. something that's hard for the Knights to play against. And I could also say that about Montreal. Montreal is not a great matchup for the Knights for some reason. And this is a team that has played abysmally this season. They have. Montreal they have. has yeah. just been terrible. Um no offense to to Canadians fans, they would agree with me. They just have not been good this year. And so, you know, we're going into the third period against Montreal and it's still tied 2-2. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, what with a team that has played this bad, we should not be locked in a tie with these guys. But um, agree. just something about the matchup. And, and uh, the Knights got a sorely needed two points out of that game. <laughs> But just barely, you know, big heroic overtime goal by Shea Theodore. But you know how that is. Overtime games could go either way. So a mm-hmm. little bit of luck on their side. And I'm, I'm grateful. I think the team really needed to go into the road trip having pulled out two points in that game. And so, you know, Lady Luck was on their side. But, but Montreal, you know, took them to overtime on the road. And so that is not a dominant performance by any means against a team that's either last in the league or darn close. And that gets back to some of that league parity that we're talking about. And maybe the Canadians are not a great matchup for the Knights, but the the fact remains, they're just, they're not firing on all cylinders right now. So um, my hope is that this road trip, look, they're not stupid. The, the guys on the team aren't stupid. They know this is a hard road trip. And so my tendency is to think they're going to be up for these games and they're, they've been very good on the road this year. So mm-hmm you know, they, this may be just what they need to wake them up. And on the, on the bright side, Stone's probably going to be back. He was out for COVID protocol, so he's not injured. Mm-hmm. He's going on the road trip. Apacharetti actually is traveling with the team, which means that tells me he's maybe closer than people thought he was going to be. Yeah. That's, um, that's huge. Yeah. Eichel's traveling with the team. He's, we're not going to see Eichel on this road trip, but they're trying to integrate him into the team culture. So which I think is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So all is not lost. I still think the Knights will be fine, but um, a little harder to be Mr. Brightside uh, after the weird two or three weeks <laughs> that the team has gone Mr. through. Mr. Brightside, I like that. <laughs> so that's kind of my take on on what's going on. And look, I can be patient with them. They've been so outstanding so many times. What are you going to do? Like kick them while they're down? Like they had a weird couple of weeks. They still went 500. Um so it's fine. They, they really haven't lost any, you know, any, they, they didn't slide in the standings somehow. They're, they're still hanging right in there. So it, it'll probably be okay, but got to watch out. Kings and Ducks are both creeping up on that first spot. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we'll see. By the end of the road yeah. trip, if one of those teams goes on a tear, one of them could take first for sure. So we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I like that, the, the Mr. Bright side as well. I think I think that's probably a good uh, a good summary for yourself. Although yeah. the the um, <laughs> I was going to say, what part of my personality is this? But I'll let people decide rather than summarizing it myself. 
But when I saw you getting angry, well, I, you know, it was angry on, uh, 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 after the Pittsburgh game. I, I was, was kind of sitting there thinking, yeah. I was thinking, man, this would be great if this was Sunday because we'd see a whole different side to GP on the podcast. <laughs> just you like stewing over the game and oh. just, um, but anyway, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, I was, I was not you know. feeling it that night for sure. And I, I even mm-hmm. kind of looked back at it and I was like, oh, wow, I was, it was definitely not real positive that night, which is kind of <laughs> unusual. <laughs> so, um, it was, it, yeah, it, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, and I think, you know, this, this roads games from hell or whatever we want to call it if you know if they go and win all four of them it could end up being a really really big kind of statement yeah. from the team for the rest of the, the how team. the rest of the season is going to go so mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and patch patches and and i being close to come out I, I heard that i called maybe out for another two months i think it was what i read somewhere so i'm yeah. hoping that that seems to be what people are tossing around so yeah. you're talking and- playoffs kind of by then really mm-hmm. I mean, where and we martinez are now, is also very close to return by the way he's been out for ages so that'll be a huge boost to the team um yeah he's a, he's a big player bigger than i think some people give him mm. credit for oh yeah um, yeah absolutely. i think when you traded for him it was seen as almost a bit of an overpayment yeah of what you gave uh the kings back for for martinez but mm-hmm. he's uh he's, he's yeah he's been a, been a soldier so it'd be important yeah. to get him back yeah. And we were talking about, and this is obviously offline before we started recording, but we'll we'll talk about it online so that uh, the listeners can hear our theories. But we were talking about teams because when you have a franchise like Vegas that is is used to winning, which expects winning, it is tough when you when you when you lose a couple of games or you don't play where you expect to be. And obviously, likewise for Seattle, is why I can sympathise with the fan base. It's you know Seattle have been through a tough time, and you could see the fan base getting frustrated. Um, you know, even whether the expectations that they had on themselves were realistic or not, it doesn't matter. But we've got two teams that we want to talk about, which aren't Seattle or Vegas, but it's it's two almost like polar opposites. But a nice s- sign of when you're in a league with so much parity, how you can be a season away from either being immense or being awful. And and that's the Edmonton Oilers. So I've got two quotes here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I told you I told you I was going to play them, JP. Yeah, I want to hear these. Uh, and yeah. this this is this is you talking about the Edmonton Oilers back on. <laughs> uh, I think it was November or December seventh. But yeah, this is, it was episode twelve. I know that, but this is yeah. this is you. Yeah, and, and when he's like when he's hot, and and the rest of the team's hot, like look out. Yeah, those guys are a scary good team. Okay, so that was you talking about the Edmonton Oilers, right? Back at the beginning of the season when the Edmonton Oilers were scary good uh, rather than just scary, which is what they've been. What they've become, for, yeah. What they've become. And, you know, it was, it was it sounded, maybe this is because I'm so, like, focused in on the crack and now I didn't see it. But it, it's funny to see an organization like that. And the Edmonton fans are probably sat there saying, we're not finding it very funny. And um, But it is, in some regards, if you take the emotion out of, supporting the team it is funny to see a team that was so good become so bad and it just shows how you know a couple of things going right or wrong can you change you from being Hmm. Edmonton to being you know Arizona which is essentially what Edmonton have been for the last you know they they basically had ignore a couple of overtime losses which always breaks the streak on NHL.com which is really annoying but I mean they were basically at 10 11 12 game losing streaks 
Um, and I think there's a couple of wins, you know, that they had in between these kind of weird long streaks. But essentially, and, and this was, I, I saw this on a tweet, um, that in 2022, Dreisaitl and McDavid together before last night, I'd like to point out, and the win, because I, I know they've broken the streak now, but they had two goals between them. And Ryan Reeves oh, had two goals on his own in 2022. <laughs> so, like, it just showed her. And th- these are two guys that uh, it wasn't that long ago that we were sat there saying, man, if they carry on like this, uh, these two are going to break the NHL point records for the season, all this sort of stuff. Because you know, 10 to 15 games in, they were each on a ridiculous amount of goals and points. And just to show it wasn't just JP, by the way, here's, here's my quote of the same episode. Um, but you know, I, 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 they are they're a scary, scary team, you know, and and they've got they've got winners, they've got winners in their team. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> so we were both talking. We were marveling. <laughs> we were marveling at at Edmonton. Yeah. We were just like, oh gosh, they're so mm. good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the other quotes in the show, I won't play them all, but like you know, I talked then about them having winners in their team. I mean, yeah. and you both talked about the fact that they were gritty and the fact they could grind out results, which clearly they haven't been. Yeah, uh, and and you talked about the fact that you didn't want to meet them in the playoffs in the first round. Well. Right. You haven't got that fear at the moment because, no. as it stands, it's not likely they're not even in the playoffs. I mean, I didn't realize how bad. I know, you know, it's bad when, as a Seattle fan, you're looking at the standings and you realize that Edmonton are only just above you, and you think, "Jesus, like, like I know our season's yeah. is crap. Like yeah. their season is not like, mega crap." Um, you know, given the players that they've got and the the you know, so it's. Now, they won last night, and they may well turn it around. They may well end up still making the playoffs, and all will be forgotten in terms of the bad runs. But it just shows, really, that in a, a league with so much parity and in a sport that is as close as, as hockey is, you know, you, you're you going to lose some games, and you're going to go on some weird streaks. But it's true yeah. to try not to get too, too hung up. And because, again, we saw... A couple of nights ago, there was Edmonton fans throwing jerseys on the ice, and I, I still don't get it. I mean, please, if there's anybody listening that is a fan of these teams or just would like to explain to me why that is a showing of displeasure towards the team, I don't understand. Because those jerseys are really expensive. They sure are. My I, goodness. I don't, I don't understand why throwing the jersey onto the ice signifies. Because let's be honest, like a... a and if somebody wants to come on and I'll happily interview somebody who's threw their jersey on the ice, just to understand that their headspace. But like, are you done with the team? Are you never going to support the team again? Yeah. Because I'm pretty certain that you are. And I just don't. I just. I don't. I don't. I don't get it's it. And, just, it's just an emotional outcry, I guess. Just like mm-hmm. an impulsive. I mean, heck, I'm even the guy. I remember I had um, seats down really close to the ice to see the Knights play in New Jersey a couple seasons mm-hmm. ago, and Marcia so got a hat trick that night. And, um, I was sitting in a little kind of batch of Knights fans and several of them took off their beanies and threw them on the ice. It's cold, right? You're in New Jersey in the winter. And, uh, I didn't even want to throw my hat. I was like, uh, like one, I like this hat. Two, I spent money on this hat. Three, I have to go back outside and my ears are going to freeze off. So I'm going (laughs) to... Just so I'm the guy yeah, that it's fine. even when celebrating, I don't want to throw something on the ice, much yeah. less a, uh, you know, Jersey that costs a couple hundred bucks, but, um, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And, and for all Edmonton Oilers fans out there, which I, I get you're frustrated and, you know, Jesus, I get it. But, um, the other team that I wanted to bring up 
and it's not hockey, but it is a sign that franchises can be turned around, is the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and, you know, look, as I said, not NHL, but it is a team that has been pretty bad over the last couple of decades now and has had moments of okayness, but not pretty much greatness. Um, they haven't won a playoff game or been in the playoffs for a while. They certainly haven't won a playoff game in even longer. And they hadn't won a playoff game on the road since 1988. Uh, and the other, well, I think it was last night, and we're recording this on Sunday, by the way, they they won their second round game, beating the uh, Texans, Tennessee Texans mm-hmm. and uh, Texans, Titans even, Jesus. You can tell I don't watch NFL as much as I watch NHL. <laughs> the Titans, yeah. I know, it's, it's, it's Sunday, it's late, you know, my brain's fried um, from watching too much football. But um, <laughs> it's like the Tennessee Titans. But it just shows you that like they, that franchise now has so much hope, so much uh, potential, and only a couple of seasons ago, they were dire. Mm-hmm. So and, and last season, they were dire, which is why they picked third overall. So it just shows you that no matter how bad things can be as a fan of a fan base, the mm-hmm. beauty of a draft system, the beauty of a salary cap is that no matter how crap you are, you can always turn it around. Yeah, but it also means for for Vegas fans that no matter how good you are, you're always not that far away from being you know from being you're not invincible. Absolutely, that that's how it applies for for Vegas fans, for Seattle fans. Um, it reminds me of there was a sort of a lesser known radio hit that was out, you know, twenty plus years ago. Um, Baz Luhrmann, the kind of movie and theatrical Australian movie and, and sort of theatrical director had put mm-hmm. out an album, you know, sort of this experimental album surrounding the release of, I think the, maybe the Romeo and Juliet film that he did. And it had okay, a song yeah, on it yeah. that kind of got some radio play in the U S and it was basically this voiceover artist doing, uh, reading what had become a very famous high school graduation speech. And, um, there was a line in that and it was just giving advice, life advice. And one of the lines that I've always remembered is no matter what happens in life, uh, don't congratulate yourself too much (laughs) and don't berate yourself either. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, half of its chance. Now, you know, you can't necessarily say that about hockey, that it's chance, but it still applies, you know, and, and I've always felt like because of that, it's important to win gracefully and lose gracefully. And, and, and yeah. you know, so listen, everybody has different traditions as, as fans and as hockey fans, but I've always been the kind of guy that when, when the Knights are winning, I'm not really one to try to rub it in the face of the other team, unless it's a really heated rivalry. Sometimes I give into that impulse, but, um, mm. because like you said, your time will come. And it could be tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> when you're on the bottom and when you're losing, do you want the winning team to rub it in your face and stomp on you, right? It's like, I remember the first time we, speaking up, the first time the Knights ever played the Montreal Canadiens at home, I was at that game. And I remember um, standing in line for concessions and there were a couple Canadians fans behind me who had uh, tr- clearly traveled for the game. And I heard them speaking for, that's what caught my attention. They were speaking Quebecois, you know, speaking French to each other mm-hmm. and I uh, turned around and I just made some conversation with them. And by the way, the Knights were stomping the, the Canadians that night. 
And um, they were very complimentary. They were like, oh yeah, you guys really, this is great. You guys are doing it right here. This is, this is really cool with, you know, what, what the team is doing. And, you know, you got a really good hockey team. And I said to them, well, that's very nice you guys to say, um, but you know, you guys invented the game. So, uh, you know, we'll take that as a compliment and we'll enjoy it while it lasts because I know our time will come. There was no way I was going to stand there and rub that in those guys' faces. And look what's <laughs> happened. The Canadians yeah. generally beat the Knights most of the time. So, you know, and it's, it's true. We were enjoying our, our, you know, day in the sun that day, but, um, yeah, you never know how it's going to go. And look at the Canadians last year. They made it to the Stanley Cup final. And then this year, they're on the bottom of the heap. So it's not just good sports advice. It's good life advice. You know, enjoy the good times. Don't congratulate yourself too much because, <laughs> and at the same time, you don't have to despair too hard when things are going bad because, yeah, like you said, look at the Bengals. Um, it, it, you know, can always turn on a dime. And next always thing you turn. know, tomorrow yeah. you're enjoying the sunshine. So uh, exactly. Maybe a little too deep for a hockey podcast, but there it is, Ian. <laughs> you know, the, it's been a week of relief for Kraken fans and seeing the fans in the Climate Pledge Arena quite happily getting two wins into their belt. That's what it's all about. That's yeah. what it's all about. And for Vegas fans, you know, hold on to your butts because next week's <laughs> going to be a uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a thriller one way or the other. Going to be know? a wild ride, and uh, exactly. win or lose, I plan to enjoy it. So uh, that's the main yeah. thing, you know. And the question now is: if the Vegas are awful, will JP be angry as hell when he comes <laughs> on the podcast next Sunday? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll have to see. T- tune in to find out. Dun, exactly. Dun, dun, yeah. Same yeah, exactly. bat time, same bat channel. But um, <laughs> yeah, well, look, man, it's, been, it's always always great chatting hockey with yourself. Uh, and thanks to, to all of our listeners. And thanks to all the guys and gals that get in, in touch with us on, on our various platforms as well. I know we, we span a few and, uh, and we appreciate each and every one of you new listeners some of our long-term legendary listeners as well we all we appreciate everything yeah thanks guys for sure yeah so from myself and jp i hope you enjoyed this week uh vegas fans keep the faith you never know the week from hell might turn out to be the week from heaven wait (laughs) and see so until next week stay safe we'll see you then bye bye